you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Today, we have a most amazing author for the new book, Skip the Line, The 10,000 Experiments Rule, and Other Surprising Advice for Reaching Your Goals by James Altucher. And uh, he's an author of a ton of books. So we'll be talking to him today. To see the video version of this, go to youtube.com. Forward slash Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button. Go to all the different groups we have on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that sort of good stuff. You can subscribe to it as well. Go to goodreads.com. Forward slash Chris Voss and see what we're up to over there. So today we're going to be talking with James. He's got a ton of books he's written. I'll ask him once he gets here on the show, but he's actually here to the side of me, but that's weird I'm saying that. But you don't know that because you're probably listening in audio only on the podcast. Just on YouTube, you would. That's a whole other reason to go there and subscribe. I don't know why I'm doing this segue, but it sounded fun when I started it, but I'm not too sure about it now. Anyway, James is a successful entrepreneur, angel investor, chess master, and prolific writer. He has started and run more than 20 companies and currently invested in over 30. He's the author of 18 books, whoa, including the Wall Street Journal's bestsellers, The Power of No, Choose Yourself, the latest book, Reinvent Yourself, and it was number one on the Amazon store shortly after his release. The Power of No, I think all my girlfriends read that book. Anyway, thank you, James, uh, for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate it. Welcome. Chris, thank you. And I must say, what a great radio voice you have. Have you ever done radio? This is the closest they'll let me to radio. Unfortunately, with the language I have, of tendency to use, like whenever I go on radio, I have to put like a big sign that says, uh, do not swear. It's a good radio voice. Thank and you. And have you had voice training? Because you, no. you got like a, a good natural voice. No, I study I study Carson and a few other people a lot. And I don't know. I just try hard. I don't know. <laughs> Excellent. I don't know. It's uh, when you have a face well, like that, this, it's radio face. So. Tell me about it. I have podcast face, face audio only. You're so doing, but thank you doing. so much, Chris, for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. So you have launched this new book. Oh, and let's get your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs and know what order up your new book. Yeah, you could. So Skip the Line is my new book. You can find it on Amazon. And I have a podcast also, The James Altucher Show. And I guess on Twitter, I'm at Jay Altucher. Lately, I, I honestly, I have not been using social media that much. So it's hard to find me, actually. The James Altucher Show is 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 my favorite. And lately, I've been streaming on Twitch and having fun doing that. I always like to do what's fun. And for a while, Twitter or Facebook was not fun because everyone was arguing on it. Mm -hmm. In fact, somebody had written into me and said they were really loving your daily Instagram lives when you were doing them. Are you still doing those? I just started again because what was happening was at the beginning, I, I always do a podcast like, like you. I, I have like on authors and what's who's the latest shows or whatever. But at the beginning of the podcast, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was so much misinformation being published in the news and there was so much kind of fear and pessimism being published as well. And nobody really understood what was going on. And I, I started a daily podcast, not because I'm an expert on pandemics or epidemiology, but because 
I do understand misinformation and news, and I've worked for a lot of the media companies at different points in my career. And I just wanted to set the record straight and explain why to people, whether it was the economy or the pandemic or other issues, what was misinformation, what wasn't, how do you figure these things out for yourself? And then also what opportunities existed during the pandemic? And I just kind of wanted to cheer people up who were sitting at home during the day and talk about the topics that were on everybody's mind and everybody was afraid about. And so it was, like, it was like a new, it was like an experiment for my podcast and the experiment worked because I did them as Instagram lives, but then I released it on the podcast, got more views than my regular podcast. I know. Isn't it funny how that works? We take all of these and we put them on Instagram live, feed them through, we feed them through Redstream and uh, Yellow Duck. And so it feeds them. It doesn't save them, for, sadly, but at least gives them the feed. And then we put up a hard copy of a 10 minute thing. So it works. It works pretty good. But we, yeah, we used our podcast to try and lift people up and stuff. But it was good that you did that because people, they need to know where the pandemic come from, comes from. And everyone knows it comes from aliens and the flat earth that we have. <laughs> That's what caused it. That's, I think so. The I, oh, aliens, clearly. Do you realize, like, during the pandemic, there was news about aliens and it barely reached the newspaper? That's how much people were so obsessed with the election and the pandemic that there was at least three different times that there were there was news about potentially actual aliens. Like, the Pentagon had a press conference and admitted for the first time that they saw a UFO, meaning an object that was flying that they could not identify. And that, like, barely hit the news. Yeah. It's, well, the problem was they showed up and they were going to meet with us like close encounters of the third kind, but they didn't bring masks and we, we had up the signs. Yeah, social mandated so, social distancing. Yeah. You need to prove you've either been vaccinated or wear a mask or have a chip in you. Yeah. Evidently, one of the problems with aliens is they don't usually sh ship around the universe with N95 masks, so they, they've got to work on that. I mean, they have yeah, because they get technology. vaccinated on their home planet, and they figure, yeah, what's yeah. the chances that yeah. COVID would be on Earth? Yeah, so they have technology where they can speed across the universe at the speed of light, but no masks. Yeah. It's kind of weird. So let's get talking about your book. Skip the line. The 10,000 experiments rule and other surprising advice for reaching your goals. Let's start with the title. What is the 10,000 experiments rule? And why did you choose that title for this book? Yeah. So I, every time, so I've been, had a lot of different careers. Sometimes it's because I do well in a career and then I go totally broke and I have to find something else to do. And sometimes because I just simply switch interests. As you get older, you don't want to do the same thing all the time. You want to do the things. There's, there's only one life to live and you want to do the things that you're passionate about. And also just to like, why should you do the things you're passionate about? And this is always a discussion, should you? And the reason, this is just a side thing, but the reason you do something you're passionate about is because Everything that's that's worth doing is hard to do, and you need all the energy you have to do it. And our energy is limited each day. That's why we sleep to rejuvenate. And in order, part of the energy required to do something that's hard is, oh my gosh, do I have to sit down and do this difficult thing? And if you love what you're doing, you don't need that extra energy. You can use that extra energy to get better at what you love. So I just want to set this straight, but every time... I switched passions and started doing something that I loved. Again, if something's worth doing, it's hard and it's it's going to suck for a while. It doesn't necessarily make you happy. It's it, it makes you feel good about mastery and getting better, but it's not necessarily oh, oh I'm ecstatic doing this. And it's real. So two things. One is it's really hard to get in the top one percent of 
of the world of whatever skill you love doing, whether it's playing golf or being a chef or being an entrepreneur or whatever it is. And number two, it's then you have to make money doing it or else you have to stop doing it. It's just a hobby. You can't do it. You have to raise your family. You have to do things. And every time I've switched interests and wanted to do something else for my career, somebody or many people have always said to me, man, you you can't do that. You can't skip the line. Uh -huh. People get an MBA doing this or people go to acting school or people have been a writer since they were 18 and they studied English in school and you can't skip the line. Like we've all paid our dues. You've got to pay your dues too. Or don't about the 10,000 hour rule where Malcolm Gladwell says it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something. You can't expect to make money before you put in 10,000 hours like the Beatles did. And all this stuff I realized was BS and and but it would get me frustrated what's up with this the 10,000 hour rule maybe it does take 10,000 hours to get good at something mm -hmm. and I realized I've switched interests so many times and I've made a lot of money at different careers and I've also gone broke at different careers but I realized the key is not 10,000 hours but doing experiments so if you get the basic skills but then if you have a theory about something you're interested in let's say you want to be a stand-up comedian do an experiment that will teach you something i have a let's say you have a theory i have a theory that if i go and practice comedy in a subway car then i will get better at dealing with a hostile audience and i'll get <laughs> i'll get better at doing one-liner jokes because you only have it's very fast before they go on to the next before they exit the subway and so that's they throw you off. maybe, but I did it myself <laughs> when I, 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 for, for six, seven years, I've been doing stand up comedy. And when I started, I was so nervous and scared about getting heckled, which I was getting sometimes when I first started doing it, I went on a subway car to, with the theory that this will make me a better comedian. And the theory was correct. But even if it wasn't correct, I still would have learned something. I would have overcome a, a, a fear because I was scared to death of doing stand-up on a subway. And I would have a story to tell, which I do. So experiments have very little downside, have huge upside, are cheap to do because Thomas Edison needed to experiment 10,000 times before he found the right filament for a light bulb. So it's got to be cheap. It's got to be easy. It's got to be quick. And there's got to be very little downside and enormous upside. So that's an experiment. And it turns out with whatever you are interested in, you can learn a huge amount and you could skip the line on learning. So you can quickly be in the top 1% of a category or anything by focusing on this 10,000 experiment idea. And then I have other techniques in the book, but like the 10,000 experiment rule was the one I was grappling with the most because I was terrified I would need 10,000 hours to get good at something. <laughs> I needed a faster way. I'm at 10,000 hours and my sixth wife is trying to still wait for me to get good at something. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. The, I no, I just, that's a bit I do. I'll oh. do, I'll, throughout the show, I'll change the number too as we go. So, all right, good. Thank you. Yeah. I, I never got married. I never got tired of being happy. This is interesting because that's been a big deal that everyone talks about the 10,000 hour things. If you really want to master something, do it 10,000 hours. And like you say, and like my wife says, I haven't been able to get that mastered. I'm still looking for that G thing. The, so you get into it you show how experimenting is the experiment you're doing is that like extreme experimenting like for example that you gave with the with the car in, in the subway because I'll, I'll do stand up on a stage before i'll do it in a subway especially a new york subway i'll just but the problem is in a weird way the stage for a comedian is higher stakes than a subway. a subway there's no stakes really even though it's scary there's no stakes because you're telling jokes to a bunch of comedians who hate you to a bunch of passengers who hate you who cares if they laugh or not? Like, But they do have groceries with them, so that means they have tomatoes and eggs. Right, they can throw tomatoes. But if you bomb on stage, 
and you love going on stage and the booker is looking at you, should I book this guy again? That's a little bit more stakes. And, and also you don't get on stage that frequently. Like even a great comedian, okay, forget the greats, but when you're starting out, it takes you a long time before you're on stage even more than once or twice a week. And mm. I got a chance to go in for two hours. I went in like 30 different subway cars and did uh, comedy <laughs> in each subway car. So I got a lot of experience quickly. And by the idea was doing the, in a, taking an experimental approach I got quick experience. I learned something and I had a theory. I tested it out and I even then gave me ideas. Like I pitched it as a late night TV show, doing a late night show on a subway. And you never know what ideas. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. No one does that. But like with everything I've ever been interested in. And by the way, this is true for everyone. The, in the Olympics, there's a, I don't, I forget what it's called. The high jump. You, you jump over this bar. This guy in the sixties wanted to jump backwards. And his coach was like, are you crazy? And the guy was like, coach, I, I have long legs, so when I'm doing this running jump, my legs, and then you pick up your legs and jump forward, my legs always hit the bar. And so he, he jumped backwards. It seemed like it was pretty good. Two years later, he won the gold medal, and he was barely a second stringer in his high school uh -huh. uh, team. And two years later, he won the gold medal in the Olympics, and now his move, the Fosbury flop, his name was Dick Fosbury. <laughs> Fosbury he, flop. He, he, that's the main move. That's all the high jumpers only do that move. So that was an experiment. And, and he skipped the line. Literally, he went from being like the weakest player on his high school team to winning, to being the best in the world and winning the gold medal in the Olympics. So that's like almost like a classic story. But mm -hmm. every industry I've ever switched, whether it's I've run a hedge fund, I was a computer programmer, I've worked in the entertainment industry. It was always a matter of, how do I can't be the top 10 in the world at a skill because who knows what that takes that maybe that does take 10,000 hours but to be in the top 1% and then separately to learn to monetize the skill you only need to be in the top 1 or 2% or even top 5% of an industry to be good enough to monetize it and that's possible particularly I talk about many techniques in my book skip the lie one of them is this 10,000 experiment rule but then to monetize it people underestimate you also have to learn the field to, let's say you want to be a number one podcaster where we have both you and I have top podcasts and it's good if you're a good if you have the skill if you're in the top one percent of the world of interviewing that's great you'll you're a good interviewer and you'll probably do a good podcast but then to monetize it you have to know how podcasts are distributed, how to get good guests, how to what how does the iTunes algorithm work? Who should I sign up with to get good ads on my podcast? And on, you have to know the field too. So my book's really about how do you get to be the top one percent in skills, but also how do you get to be the top one percent in your field so you could so you can monetize your, your passions. There you go. So there you go. So it says here uh, dozens of techniques and new mindset that's in the book that will inspire any professional, no matter their age or managerial level, to pursue their passions and quickly acquire the skills to succeed. Do you want to share with us some of the other uh, techniques that you recommend? Yeah. One thing I do, which is really useful, I'll, I'll give you a very specific example. So a few months ago, uh, this is like December, I decided, you know what, I'm going to... Well, even though all these techniques have worked for me, I only write about things that have specifically worked for me. I don't care if they've worked for other people. They've specifically worked for me. Now, it turns out I know through my podcast and many interviews that it's worked for a ton of people, these ideas. But I wanted to specifically be very disciplined about using these techniques that I had just written about. And the book was coming out in a few months from then. It came out a few weeks ago, but this was in December. I was going to get to be stronger than I ever was at chess. So... 
when I was a kid, I was a strong player. I won my state's high school championship, the whole thing, and I was a ranked chess master. But you lose, if you haven't studied something in 30 or 40 years, you lose all of your abilities. Not just some of your abilities, but all of them. It's not like riding a bike. And so I figured I'm going to, I, I want to get just as good as I had been 30 years ago when I last studied the game. And not only that, I even want to be better than I ever was. And so specifically only using the techniques in the book, in the past three months, I've probably achieved both of those goals in chess. Um, wow. And one of the one of the techniques is, I, it's called plus minus equal. And the plus is find yourself a coach, get feedback, study a lot, and so on. So that's the, the coach could be virtual or real. If you want to be a great writer, study great writers of the past, like Ernest Hemingway could be your virtual mentor. But... I got myself a, a chess instructor, and not only that, then equals are people your level who are rising up also, and you can exchange notes, and you can play against them and compete against them. So in business, if you're starting in business, there's other people starting in the same industry. It's, it's good not to think of them as just enemies and, and competition. You could learn from your frenemies, your co-opetition as well. So those are your equals. And in chess, you could play people who are your ranking, and you learn from them. And if you talk to them and exchange ideas and so on. And then the minus is very important. It's even more important than the plus. It's giving lessons. And if you, cause if you can't explain something easily, then you don't truly understand it. And when you teach the basics of something, you really learn at a fundamental level in a way that you wouldn't if you just read it in a book or if a teacher told you. So if you, the teaching the basics is very important. So that's one technique. That's plus minus equal. And that was told to me by Frank Shamrock. I was about to say, I thought of this, but I decided when you hear who Frank Shamrock is, you realize there's a reason why I said it's this idea was told to me by Frank Shamrock. So he was 10-time world champion for mixed martial arts. So you definitely do not want to get this guy angry. And <laughs> But he had to learn it's mixed martial arts for a reason. He had to learn many martial arts at the black belt level in order to be good at mixed martial arts. So he had to learn very quickly many complicated things. And just because one martial art doesn't mean you, you know anything about another martial art. So they're very different. And another technique is an something I call conspiracy numbers. So let's say, and this is more about monetizing an idea. Let's say you're great at some skill and you want to figure out how to make money at it. First, I have what's called the spoke and wheel approach. So let's say oh, I have a friend who's interested in restaurants and he told me all these great ideas about how he would run a restaurant. And I'm like, that's great. So it all sounds really creative and original. And he has a bunch of experience. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And he says, of course, I want to run a restaurant and maybe own a restaurant. And I said, well, I described to him this spoke and wheel approach. I said, let's put restaurants as the wheel. Rest owning a restaurant is one spoke. But let's see if we can come up with other spokes that you would be interested in. And so ultimately he came up with consulting for restaurants, consulting for restaurant chains, writing a high-end newsletter to restaurant owners that contains the latest tips and technologies about the restaurant business, doing a podcast where he interview restaurant owners, writing a book with all his ideas about the 21st century restaurant. And by the end, and he was coming up with all the ideas. These were all things he was interested in. But by the end, he's like, boy, I never... <laughs> went through this exercise. I never thought of any of these things. I'm gonna. I can work on five of them, and that's the whole idea. Is that to monetize? You can't just work on one idea. You have to work on many simultaneously. But as long as you're interested in what's at the wheel, you're going to be interested in most of the spokes as well. If you're interested in sports, you and I are not going to be professional athletes, and we're too old for one thing. I'm too old. I don't know about you. Maybe yeah, you're ready to be old. a professional basketball player. And but there's lots of things you could do in sports other than being an athlete, like. A friend of mine was a Hollywood screenwriter, 
it seemed to me he had the ideal job, but he quit where he was making a ton of money and he started writing blog posts for $100 a, a, a post. He went from making hundreds of thousands of dollars per screenplay to $100 a post. And he would always write about fantasy sports because, again, he wasn't going to be an athlete, but he loved fantasy sports. And then he built up. He got an audience because he was already a good writer. He had what I called idea sex or job sex where he took his skills from writing, combined it with his interest in sports. And the baby that came out were these blog posts on fantasy sports. He was the best. Instead of being writing these dry articles about sports, he was writing these really creative story driven posts about fantasy sports. And he got noticed. Long story short, he's now the first anchor at ESPN who focuses on just fantasy sports. He's their fantasy sports anchor, Matt Berry. And he's like a huge personality now. And all because he, he, he focused on doing what he loves and he used these techniques and idea sex is mentioned in the book. And he's a great anchor now on, on fantasy sports. He's, he's doing what he loves for the rest of his life. So can you define idea sex? To me, it was interesting you followed that with having a baby on this idea. Think about this. This really works well in music, for instance, as a way to explain it. But essentially, it's taking... So let me take one step back. So one time, I was super, super depressed. I had gone broke. I made some money, and then I had just gone totally broke, and I was so... I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I couldn't figure out like the mechanics of how to make my mouth smile like I was so just distraught and I started I got a waiter's pad for some reason and I started writing down 10 ideas a day and within a few weeks I felt like my neurons were like on fire or something like creativity is a muscle and and like any muscle it will atrophy almost instantly if you don't regularly exercise and people don't realize that they think oh when inspiration hits me I'll know that's totally not true. Inspiration doesn't just like strike like lightning. You have to be, you have to have a well-developed idea muscle to, to be there when inspiration hits. So I started writing down 10 ideas a day, most of them bad because who's going to come up with, it's hard to come up with even one or two good ideas a year. So most of my ideas were bad, but you just get in the rhythm of writing down ideas. And so I started generating lots of ideas, but then I realized some of my ideas were really combinations of older ideas. So I might have one technique from one thing, but applied it to another thing and boom, the intersection I'm the best in the world at. So I, I know a guy who's a stand-up comedian, but he's very young. He wouldn't normally be one of the top comedians out there, but this guy could get booked in every comedy club in the world. And the reason is because ever since he was a little kid, he's been freestyle rapping just for fun. He was like, you, and so now he has an act where he, he asked for the audience to give him five words, random words. And so people in the audience shout out five random words. And I've tested him personally to make sure he wasn't like, had, had the, chills in the audience. Yeah. Like in, in my podcast, I had everybody who was in the room throw out a word and he says, okay, give me a beat. And instantly he comes up with this like super intellectual, but he, he doesn't miss a beat. He uses all five words. He raps. He could do it for like on and on. He could just keep rapping. Somehow he knows about it. We gave him Volcanoes on Mars, the Choose Yourself <laughs> book or James Altucher. We gave him a whole bunch of things that had nothing to do with each other. And he weaved them together into one story and then he rapped it to a beat. So everything rhymed. And it was amazing. But he basically, he took rap, had it have sex with comedy. And now he's the, the best or maybe the only 
comedy rapper in the world and he performs at every stand-up club in the world which is not an easy thing to do because you have to easy. get approved yeah and so that's another example of idea sex here but here's my favorite example though is my favorite disco song of course is staying alive by the bgs it was the theme song to saturday night fever and in the 90s one of my favorite rap bands was the fugees the y clef is still performs and lauren hill and so on and the fugees took the song Stayin' Alive and made a cover of it using rap. They made a rap version of Stayin' Alive. And of course, that's like the most obvious thing that's gonna be a number one billboard hit. A million, a billion people like the song Stayin' Alive. Another billion people like the Fugees. Combine them and Idea Sex gives you whatever the name of their song was. You keep staying alive, and it was the number one hit. So it worked, and that's why mo our movies are pitched. Oh, it's Star Wars meets the the Jensen. Last Testament of Christ Jensen. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's good that you defined that for me. I was thinking Idea Sex is what I suggested to my eighth wife one time. Was like, <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking for, I've got an idea for sex, honey. Maybe you and your sister, and that uh, didn't go over well. So <laughs> I have a ninth wife. Yeah, not all Idea Sex works, but some of it. Some Sometimes it does, and it has uh, surprising results when you do idea sex. I got to tell you, this, the results were surprising, though. So <laughs> you are true there. This is pretty cool. You mentioned earlier you're talking about coaching, and I'm on, I don't know if you're on Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app. Yeah. There's a lot of coaching going on over there, a lot of coaches and stuff. In fact, I didn't, I don't know, I'm not really too into the industry, so I didn't realize how much there was. Is that really a good big way to jumpstart your knowledge base because you're hiring people that know more than you and can? help you as you call it uh skip the line it depends like there's these things like these life coaches mm -hmm. i don't think i don't think that's very useful maybe it is for some people maybe it isn't i'm not gonna i shouldn't judge like maybe some people really like seeing a life coach and they don't really need uh, the other version which is let's say a therapist or something yeah. but and i think there probably are some good life coaches out there but i'm really not talking about that at all it's, take chess as an example there are very specific things like hard skills that you need to learn and you could either read them in a book or you could watch videos or you could learn them direct from a coach so let's say you have to solve a complicated chess position it's good for a coach to walk you through the basic skills needed or let's say you're playing basketball and you want to learn how to play it's good to have a coach show you like something as simple as how do you dribble without looking down at the ground that's hard or if you're driving a race car and you want to learn how you don't just jump in a car and go in a race you could die you learn okay here's how you hug the corners it's different it's counterintuitive here's how you um speed past somebody it's also counterintuitive and so on you need coaches for things like that but a life coach is just telling you don't forget to take cold showers in the morning and be grateful every day and by the way those things are probably true but okay i could read that in a 30 page book and then move on with my life I hired a life coach once and they fired me. They said, your life sucks ass. There's nothing I can do with this. So yeah, they didn't want to take the chance that you would be a bad testimonial. They're like, they're like, yeah, we, they, you're unsavable at this point. There's no, there's no help. You should just, I don't know. Anyway, anything more you want to touch on in the book before we go out? I just think that in today's day and age right now, more than ever, people have taken a step back for better or for worse, again, because of this pandemic and these economic lockdowns, they've taken a step back and they said, do I really want to do what I'm doing? And in some cases, the answer is yes. And in some cases, the answer is no. Like I know one person who quit his job trading bonds because he wanted to write a newsletter about interesting stories combining sports and finance. So again, idea sex, he took the newsletter approach as opposed to writing a book because you can make a little bit more money with the newsletter and that's understanding the field. And Nobody was writing about interesting stories of 
about the intersection of sports and finance. We get, so he's so he created a new industry out of the intersection of those two things, and now he's the best in the world at it. So eight months later, I'll, I'll give you an example story he wrote. He might take like the Super Bowl halftime. There was the performer was this guy called his name is The Weekend, and The Weekend. I didn't know this, but The Weekend apparently did not get paid for performing the Super Bowl halftime, and in fact, The Weekend used seven million dollars of his own money to help produce his show, and so this guy wrote all about the economics of the halftime and why this guy would do that and what Beyonce did, what Maroon 5 did when they performed in the halftime. Anyway, long story short, he has 27,000 subscribers. He's quit. He just started eight months ago. He, he quit his job at JP Morgan trading bonds. His newsletter is called Huddle Up. Anybody should get it. It's really fun. I'm not even interested in I hate sports. I'm not interested in it at all, but I love reading about it. And it's an example of taking the intersection of two fields that he was pretty good in and becoming the best in the world at the intersection. There you go. So you can learn so much from the book and stuff. One of the questions I had from our audience, I'm, I, I never heard about this, so I don't know the context of it, but ask him about his Bitcoin to 1 million prediction. Is that still? thing that so i first went on i first went on cnbc in i think it was may or june 2013 maybe yeah it was in may 2013 bitcoin was 61 dollars a coin and i was selling my book choose yourself i made a bitcoin only store where i only accepted bitcoin and i was selling my book a month in advance of its release to people who had bitcoin and i i said on cnbc then i didn't make the prediction then but i said this is something that people should consider investing in and Someone said, did you just, one of the anchors said, did you just do this as a marketing ploy uh, to me, to say you're the best author, the best selling author in history of Bitcoin only? And I said, well, I'm on national TV, so it worked. And you couldn't ah! argue with that. And they, they never had me on again, but that's okay. No, no, actually, they had me on several years later because then I went on in 2017. September 2017, Bitcoin was at $3,500. And I said, look, if Bitcoin even replaces gold or becomes a small percentage of the currency in the world, there's $150 trillion of paper currency, and there's only $100 billion worth of Bitcoin at that time. And I said, if it's even a small percentage of the market cap of gold or the, the value of all the currency in the world, Bitcoin could easily top a million or even five million. And a lot of people, presumably even this guy who asked you this, a lot of people were laughing at me like, this guy's ridiculous. But that's good because a lot of people were like, who's this guy? You, think they were, you can't skip the line about Bitcoin. We're software developers. We should be on CNBC talking about Bitcoin, not you. And by the way, I'm a software developer, but that's besides the point. And yeah, I think I th the, the story remains the same. I love all these like, pundits and commentators that switch opinions every time there there's a new news story mm. i have this I, I pretty much unless something radically changes i pretty much keep my opinions like most people do and, and keep, stick with them and so i have very few opinions and the ones i do have i've thought about and researched and bitcoin is very interesting for a lot of reasons we don't have to go into now but it's again the main thing here is, is there's a lot of demand for it elon musk is buying billions every public company is buying billions of Bitcoin, there's a lot of demand. Supply is limited. So yeah, it's going to replace some portion of the world's currency at some point. And that's, it's gone from 3,500 to 60,000 in the past 12 yeah. months even. Yeah, I just pulled it up. It's uh, almost it's 58,710. That's a long way from 61 or 62 you were talking about. So Yeah, and so people sometimes say well, you, you were wrong about the timing. Like you said, by the end of 2020 or the end of 2021. And I'm like, okay, are you complaining? You're up 10x right now from where you were. Like, 
are you, you had to find something wrong with my, like, yeah. all right, I'm not Nostradamus. I'm not a prophet. Like, but <laughs> I have an opinion. That's there it. <laughs> uh, it's just crazy how some people are. The jealousy and all that sort of good stuff. So you've got a uh, total of 18 books now, right? Yeah. If I remember that rightly. A, l- so, a little bit more, actually, because there's some that I did under pseudonyms that I don't tell people about. Oh, okay. Are those romance novels? Okay, I'll tell you about... Can I tell you about one more experiment sure. I did? Yeah, you can. So I was curious about Fifty Shades of Grey, which <laughs> on the surface is a horrible novel. I I, I don't think E.L. James, the author, would disagree with I don't think anyone would disagree with me. It is a poorly written novel. But... Clearly, it's done something because it's the it's almost the best selling novel in history. And I, I there was I remember somebody I was talking to somebody who works at Amazon. This was like in September of maybe 2014, and she was telling me that or no, maybe it was 20. Yeah, no, maybe it was 2013. Anyway, she was telling me that, that month one out of every two books sold in bookstores was Fifty Shades of Grey, and it, around the world. And so here's what I did. Here's the experiment I did. I don't know how to write a romance novel. I don't even know if I've ever read a classic romance novel. But I took Fifty Shades of Grey and I took a thesaurus and I and I used Fiverr. So for twenty dollars, I I hired somebody to basically rewrite Fifty Shades of Grey except replace every single word with a synonym. So <laughs> instead of it, it was like she ran home to take her tests, it would be replaced by a sentence: Jill hurried to her dormitory to take to finish her exams. And so the entire book was the Fifty Shades of Grey, but with synonyms. And then. I experimented with self-publishing on Amazon, so I uploaded it to Amazon. I picked a cover. I think, if I remember correctly, this was a long time ago, so I have trouble remembering. If I remember correctly, it was called maybe Diary of a Shy Girl. I can't even remember. I use a pseudonym. Okay, pseudonym. What's funny about this bit is I was going to ask you, I was going to do a bit saying, what did you do? I read a gray novel, and you did. <laughs> I did. Yeah, okay. No, sorry. Sorry, here's what it's called. It's by Jackie King. How to Satisfy a Billionaire, The Story of a Shy Girl. And here, here, here's, it's got one review. It's got one massive review from two years ago. Oh, an incredibly gripping, original, and sexy story told from the perspective of a girl played with the monotony of everyday life. When a chance opportunity allows her to step outside the mold, Brenda dares where lesser woman might cower. So I think he was making a joke. But it, it's How to Satisfy a Billionaire. The cover is pretty racy. And mm-hmm. it's by Jackie King, the great author Jackie King who's me, and uh, it's ranked number 188,661 in erotica. Wow. So, yeah, that's pretty I can tell you in total it sold about 60 copies. There might be still a movie deal. I'm negotiating hard, but we'll see. There you go, man. It's been wonderful to have you on the show, James. Uh, Give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs and where to order up the book. Yeah, Skip the Line can be ordered at Amazon or anywhere that you buy books, Barnes & Noble or whatever. And you can find me on Altucher, A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R, on Instagram or Jay Altucher on Twitter or the James Altucher Show is my podcast. But definitely listen to Chris Voss's – actually, not only listen to Chris Voss's podcast, but subscribe to it because people don't realize how much it benefits the podcaster when you subscribe to their podcast. And do it on iTunes whether you have an iPhone or not because that's really where it matters. Right now – I'm going to iTunes, Chris Basho, and I am subscribing to your podcast. Awesome sauce. That'll be good because then you'll know when your podcast gets out here in the next 48 hours. So that'll be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get a notification. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get a, a, a download. There you go. Podcast. I'm literally going to subscribe right now. All right. All right. Here. Get the. I got to get. Oh, I I'm just going to let phone. the dead air go uh, for the funny. I'm going to. I'm going to get. I'm like. I'm on my phone. You have to do it on your phone. 
I hate the fact that the phone mm-hmm. rules everything now. I still like my desktop. I'm uh, getting so old. I have trouble seeing the phone anymore. I had to, like I said before, I didn't get your message from your uh, publicist an hour before because I was getting my eyes done. And they look beautiful, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's really what I was hoping. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I try and make the eyes match the background of the Chris Foss show. So let me see. Hold on. I'm going. Chris, I'm on my iPhone. Chris Voss show. <laughs> All podcasts. <laughs> Here we do it. The first thing that came up, by the way, was Dan. Carlos I'm going to do a player. segment every show. I think out of this where I'm going to force every interviewee at the end of the show to subscribe. I'm like, well, I want to see you subscribed. do it now. Subscribe. I'm a subscriber. Oh, it just popped up the word subscribe. How can we prove that I'm subscribed? We will take your word for it, James. No, look. Um, next, see, it gives me the choice to unsubscribe now. There you go. Thank you very much, sir. I'm yeah. de- deeply honored that you would uh, find our show appropriate. I'm sure you'll listen to a few episodes and regret your choice you just made. No, I'm, I'm all into it. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, James, for being on the show and spending some time with us, sharing this knowledge, and getting us smarter. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And to my audience, be sure to check out James. Uh, check out all of his books, but to check out his latest book that he has up to offer. It's just fresh off the, the Amazon. And the beautiful things with the Amazon, you can skip the line at the bookstore. <laughs> skip the line. The one, the 10,000 experiments rule and other surprising advice for reaching your goals just came out in February 23rd. So you can still get that book. Enjoy it and tell everybody you're smarter than they are once you read it. Thanks for, for tuning in. Go to youtube.com for us. Chris Foss. See the video version of this uh, broadcast. You can also go to goodreads.com for us. Chris Foss. See what we're reviewing over there. Also go to Facebook, Instagram, uh, all those different groups. We have on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.